From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason DeCanio! Saturday crowd is here today, as they have been continuously for the last, oh, what, year and a half now that you've been here with us? Thank you so much for joining us here on another edition of the Queen's New Yorker. I am your gracious host, Jason Canio, and this is episode number 157 on this Saturday, December 12th, 2020. It is part two of our look at the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah! ho The last tunnel in our series. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> thank you. So I have some announcements to make really quick, and I'm going to be really brief about them. Uh, as you know, tomorrow is uh, where we were supposed to be with Dr. Joyce Brothers on Episode 7 of The Legacy of Queens. We will definitely have that for you tomorrow on the Anchor Program. So look out for The Legacy of Queens, Episode number 7. Uh, this week coming up, we will have Tuesday's edition of The Queens New Yorker on December 15th. Then there will be no show on the 17th and no show on the 19th because I'll be out of town for a little extended, little mini vacation before Christmas. So we're not going to have a show on the 17th. We're not going to have a show on the 19th. We'll resume back on the 22nd and on Christmas Eve and, of course, on the day after Christmas because, you know, that's, that's we, we do have shows on those days, 22nd, 24th, and 26th because we are a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday show. Uh, because of the fact that I will not be in town on the 17th through the 19th, uh, I'm, I'm taking time to work on the new show, all the well, the new pro, the new format for the Jason Canio show, where we'll be working on um, current um, new episodes for that. So keep an eye on it, and we'll tell you more about that as we get closer to January 1st. Okay, so with that in mind. We're going to be picking up with part two of the Lincoln Tunnel, looking in the history with the first tube and the early progress. Okay? And all the information comes from the Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. So in November of 1933, the Port Authority announced that it had picked the chief engineers for the Midtown Hudson Tunnel. And these officials included O.H. Aman as the chief engineer, Ol Singstad, the New York and New Jersey Tunnel Commission's former chief engineer, as the chief tunnel consulting engineer, Ralph Smiley, the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority chief engineer, as design engineer, 
Robert Ridgway and James Forgie as tunnel consultants. Charles S. Gleam as engineer of construction and Port Authority Commissioner Alexander J. Schamberg as chief of the division that would oversee construction. The Port Authority's former chairman, John Galvin, would be retained as a consultant. The construction work itself would be supervised by George Breck Montgomery, who had served in the same position for the Holland Tunnel's construction. The tube, which stretched 6,000 feet from the New Jersey side's ventilation shaft to the New York side's construction shaft, but the total length between portals would be 8,218 feet, and it was slated to have a diameter of 31 feet carrying a 21-foot-wide roadway with a cast iron and steel outer lining and a concrete inner lining. Now, this contract would also include the construction of ventilation shafts on each side as well as 60 feet of additional tunnel on the New Jersey side. The tube was to be bored using the shield tunneling method, and shields would proceed from both sides at the same time. This shield on the New York side would pass through a cassion, which allowed air pressure in the tunnel to be maintained while the tube was being bored. The tunneling work would start on the New York side first because a construction shaft had already been sunk to the west of 11th Avenue while the New Jersey shaft would be sunk later. 32 ventilation buildings would be constructed, of which 15 would pull air into the tunnel and 17 would exhaust air from the tunnel. The Port Authority received five bids for the construction of the Midtown Hudson Tunnel. Construction began on the first tube, now the center of the three tubes, <clears throat> on May 18, 1934, with ceremonies on both sides. Officials from the federal, state, and city levels were in attendance at the ceremony on the New York side where New York City Mayor Fiorello H. LaGuardia and New Jersey Governor A. Harry Moore wielded, wielded picks to dig up the ceremonial first mound of dirt. The 700-ton cubicle Cassion for the New York side was floated into place and sunk into the riverbed in July. And even though the Cassion had been manufactured in nearby Kearney, New Jersey, it had taken two days to be floated to Manhattan because the Cassian was so large. Also in July, issues arose when the city of Weehawken refused to let the Port Authority conduct blasting for the New Jersey ventilation shaft for more than 12 hours a day. The Port Authority warned that this could, could delay construction. And another disagreement concerned the hiring of unskilled laborers to work on the Midtown Hudson Tunnel construction project. Unionized skilled labored, laborers who feared that their specialized jobs were being given to unskilled laborers briefly threatened to strike over unfair labor practices, as the author Angus Gillespie states in his book, Crossing Under the Hudson. After 20 days, officials guaranteed that skilled jobs would be awarded only to skilled laborers and work resumed. So meanwhile, the Port Authority still had not acquired and cleared all the land in the way of the Midtown Hudson Tunnel's approaches. Construction of the approaches on the New York side necessitated the demolition of 91 buildings, mainly tenements, between 9th and 10th Avenues from 34th to 42nd Street. These buildings, located in the neighborhood of Hell's Kitchen, were seen as either being already debilitated or nearing such a condition. The demolition process was inadvertently aided by a fire that burned down one of the condemned buildings in October of 1934. Bidding for the New York approach was opened on June of 35, 1935, by which point the demolition of the 91 buildings was well underway. 
On the New Jersey side, there were disagreements over how to construct the approach since Weehawken had been built on a sharp ledge called King's Bluff. July of 1935, after discussing 75 proposals for two and a half years, the Weehawken Town Council voted to approve a distinctive loop approach. At the western end of the Midtown Hudson Tunnel in New Jersey, the tube would curve south and then end at a portal where there would be a toll plaza. A road would diverge to the east, then quickly turn north and then west while ascending the ledge. This loop would lead from Hudson Boulevard east at the bottom of King's Bluff to Pleasant Avenue at the top. Sandhogs, specialized construction workers, proceeded to dig the Midtown Hudson Tunnel from both ends, boring a tube that measured 32 feet in diameter and 8,000 feet between ventilation shafts. It was generally easier to dig from the New Jersey side, which consisted mostly of muddy sediment, than from the New York side, which contained many tons of rocks. Compressed air was used to prevent river water from flooding the tunnel, and a temporary bulkhead was built a few yards past the construction shaft through which air was pumped. The tunneling shields continued digging past the bulkhead within the pressurized chamber. An airlock was provided in order to prevent workers from undergoing sudden depressurization. Each sandhog worked for two three-hour-long shifts per day, punctuated by a break of three hours. After a section of the bore was completed, the sand hogs assembled segments of 14 curved metal pieces into rings that measured 31 feet in diameter and weighed 20 tons. During the process of construction, 145,000 cubic yards of sediment and earth and 28,000 cubic yards of rocky dirt were displaced and 2,370 metal rings were installed. The reporter, L.H. Robbins, wrote a descriptive account of the construction work, comparing the tunnel shield to a steel Hercules, calling the sand hogs ox-strong, rough-clad, and describing the tunnel itself as being like a bit of the realm of Tartarus. The Midtown Hudson Tunnels vehicle tube was being excavated from both ends, but the team on the New Jersey side worked faster because the ground there was softer. As a result, most of the work had been undertaken by the teams working from the New Jersey side, and the two ends of the tube were ultimately connected at the Cassion on the New York side. The tunneling work posed some danger. Three workers were killed in tunneling incidents during the first year of construction, and a dynamite accident in April of 1935 killed three more sandhogs. The sand hogs dug at an average rate of 25 feet per day, and by May of 1935, workers from the New Jersey side had dug past the state border. By June, half of the tunnel had been excavated. During one week that month, sand hogs dug 250 feet of tunnel, which the Port Authority proclaimed was world record in tunnel digging. The two parts of the tube were connected, in a ceremony in August of 1935, four months ahead of schedule. The method of financing the Midtown Hudson Tunnel was revised in late 1935. Now, originally, the Port Authority had advertised $34.3 million in bonds at a 4% interest rate, with the first issue of bonds set to mature in 1975. In November, the PWA announced that it would change the $37.5 million loan to a $4.78 million grant, once the grant, or once the Port Authority had sold the PWA 22.3 million in bonds, 
The rest of the outstanding balance, approximately $10.4 million, was to be raised privately, and the Port Authority would have raised $32.7 million in bonds by the time the grant was awarded. The next month, the Port Authority awarded a $16.5 million bond issued at 3.75% interest rate. The PWA announced the grant to the Port Authority in January of 1936. December of 1935, the Port Authority advertised bids for the Weehawken Entrance Plaza. The plaza consisted of the loop approach, garages for maintenance buildings, a toll booth, and 145-foot steel, brick, and sandstone ventilation building above the tunnel. A section of tube connecting the plaza to the existing underwater segment and space for a second tunnel portal to the, new, to the north of the first portal. By this time, the Midtown Hudson Tunnel project was one-third completed. The part of the tube that connected to the entrance plaza was holed through in September of the same year. New Jersey Civic Groups stated that they needed to raise another $9 million in bond funds since the construction of the proposed entrance plaza in Weehawken would bring the project's cost to $46.5 million. This cost would be composed of $42 million raised in bonds plus the $4.78 million PWA grant. Now that November, the Port Authority's commissioners authorized the agency to seek an additional $9 million in funds from the PWA. Simultaneously, work began on retrofitting the tunnel for vehicle use so it could be in operation by the time the 1939 New York World's Fair started. The retrofits consisted of installing ceiling panels with exhaust pipes, a roadway with air ducts, and straight retaining walls with ceramic tiles, metal police boots, and a catwalk for maintenance and emergency uses. Workers installed... 800,000 glass tiles, each six inches square along the ceiling of the tube, comprising what the New York Times described as the largest glass ceiling in the world. After an unexpected gasoline leak from gas stations near the Midtown Hudson Tunnel, workers installed fireproof copper sheeting within the tunnel. By that October, most of the tube retrofitting work had been completed, and the Midtown Hudson Tunnel was scheduled to open in fall of 1937, several months ahead of schedule. The only major parts of the tunnel that had not been completed were the approaches on either side, but these were progressing quickly as well as the New York Approach Plaza was already being excavated. And we will stop there and pick up on... Tuesday, December 15th, with part three of the Lincoln Tunnel. Yes. All right. Oh. Wonderful. Wonderful. So I hope everybody will come back on Tuesday to look at part three where we will discuss the completion of it and the opening and the early years and possibly go as far as construction of the second tube and the operation of the two tubes. Remember, there was three tubes altogether to form the Lincoln Tunnel 
and we're looking beautifully at it right now. So this is going to be fun. I hope that you enjoy this last part. Now, coming up in the next series of The Queen's New Yorker, we will be looking at three major airports that span not only Queens, but the entire five boroughs. John F. Kennedy Airport, LaGuardia, and Newark. And even though Newark is in New Jersey, Newark plays a big role in people going, landing in Newark and still heading out to the five boroughs. Okay, So our series on airports will probably start sometime probably after Christmas. Might be Christmas Eve, depending on how many more parts. Because we've got part three coming up this Tuesday. We take... Thursday and Saturday off next weekend, and then the 22nd we come back, hopefully for part four, and a look at the second and third tubes. But there's a lot, a lot of more to cover as we go along. I'm Jason Acanio, hoping that you're having a great weekend and that as we get closer to Christmas, you're getting closer to sharing it with your loved ones here. We here at the at Anchor and Spotify, and of course, all to our Facebook groups, wish you a very happy and safe holiday as we get closer. I know I'm going to enjoy my week, my little mini vacation next weekend. Don't forget tomorrow's episode seven will be, of course, the legacy of Dr. Joyce Brothers. Should be a fun one. Hope that you will continue to support our channel in every which way, shape, or form. And remember, be honest. Be real and keep it simple, stupid kiss on the Queens, New Yorker, right here on Anchor and Spotify. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye for now. You have been watching the Queens, New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio Internet presentation. Thank you for your support.